You're listening to the Hope Assembly podcast with Pastor Ryan Day. For more information, you can visit us online at hopeassembly.org. Please enjoy this week's sermon. Well, here I am again coming from my living room. Uh, just want to share another reflection, another sermon this morning um, in our series seven. We're on part five of this series. We're walking through the seven statements of Jesus from the cross, and we're on the fifth statement, one of the shortest statements of Jesus. We've been working from this idea of what does it look like to live a cruciform life, to live, to learn from the things that Jesus said so that we too can live a life that embraces the ideas of the cross. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone desires to come after me, let him first deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And so Jesus's um, recommendation or commendation to his disciples was like, if you really want to be a follower of me, then you're going to have to live a cruciform life. You're going to have to take up a cross. He wasn't saying that they were um, going to physically need to be crucified as Jesus was going to be crucified. Um, he wasn't saying that. He was saying that there are things that we need to understand about the self-sacrificial love that the cross represents, um, this position of humility, this position of forgiveness, this position of, of um, incredible sacrifice is one uh, a posture that, that we need to uh, take, especially in regards to how we interact with one another. And so we're kind of trying to lean into that a little bit in this series. Now, this fifth a statement of Jesus is found in John chapter 19, verses 28 through 29. Um, this is the second, second statement that John has, um, has recorded from the cross. It's only recorded in John, not recorded in any of the other Gospels. And here's what it says, verse 28 and 29. It says this, After this, Jesus, realizing that by this time everything was completed, said, in order to fulfill Scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was there, so they put a sponge soaked in a sour wine on a branch of hyssop and lifted it to his mouth. But Jesus, realizing that by this time everything was completed, said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. It's interesting here that John opens, you know, in the book of John, the gospel of John, John opens up sort of the life story of Jesus with his first miracle. And the first miracle of Jesus is uh, when he turns water into wine at the wedding at Cana. And now here we have John and he's closing sort of the life of Christ out with Christ on the cross and preparing a, a new wedding feast. We know that now. They didn't know that then, but preparing a new sort of wedding feast. Um, and this time now, Jesus is thirsting on the cross for water as blood flows from him like Wine. There is a lot of rich, deep imagery that is happening here in this idea of the crucifixion, why we partake in the Eucharist, the, the Lord's Supper, um, the elements of blood and water and, and all of these things that are happening. There's so much rich imagery there. We don't have enough time to get into all of that today. Uh, but this statement in particular, Jesus, I thirst. This statement of Jesus is one of the shortest ones that he makes from the cross. And though it's short, um, it's a rather profound statement. Now, 
maybe not so profound if uh, if it's only understood in the context of one's physical or natural thirst. Um, if that's the only context you have, then you would be like, well, this is actually a pretty s- simple statement of an obvious fact, right? Um, look at you, master of the obvious, right? But what if this statement of Jesus, I thirst, is more than just a statement of his physical needs. What if more is happening here? And this is kind of what I want to talk about a little bit. Some some things I've been pondering in regards to this short statement of I thirst. Uh, what I ponder more than anything about this short statement from Jesus is this. Here we have the living water. Jesus referred to himself as the living water. The living water thirsting for water and I would pose that he's thirsting for even more than just water. I'm not excusing the fact that he is in physical need of water. Probably extremely dehydrated, loss of blood, all of the things that have been happening to him. So indeed, he is physically in need of water. But I think that it's much, much deeper than just the physical need. Uh, matter of fact, Fleming Rutledge, who I've shared much about, I've re- read a number of her books in regards to the statements of Jesus on the cross. She said this, until his crucifixion, we don't fully see that Jesus Christ himself is the wellspring of the river of eternal life. Remember, he said to the woman at the well, uh, the Samari- Samaritan woman at the well, when she came, he said, can you give me a drink? And she's like, sir, like, you don't have anything to draw water from. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he's like, if you knew who you talked to, you would have asked me for a drink and I would have given you living water and you would have never had to thirst again. And this turned into a dialogue. You should go read it. Turned into a dialogue between the two of them where Jesus begins to explain to her about this idea of living eternal water of which he is the source. And that's what Fleming Rutledge is saying here. She's saying that it's not really till the crucifixion It's not really till we see the suffering servant, Jesus laying down his life, that we we really begin to understand that he was referring to himself as the way in which we can drink from eternal life, in which we can drink from the wells of salvation the scripture talks about. And so that's what's happening here. Um, and Jesus said, you know, or John recording, it says when everything was completed, when Jesus has looked and, and recognized that everything was completed, I think that that's a really, really interesting statement. Why is John even making this notation? Jesus, after recognizing that everything had been completed, wh- why is that important? I think that it's important because there's some sort of other intention happening here on the cross. That this isn't just John recording the fact that as Jesus was on the cross, he became thirsty. Rather, John's saying there's something greater happening here on the cross. And and it's being expressed in the physical thirst of Jesus. But Jesus makes this statement after he's recognized that he has completed the, the purpose or the intention of what he had come to the cross for. And that intention, as as we sort of know, you know, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. as we sort of know that intention is salvation. That intention was to restore humanity back to God. So this detail where John says, like, Jesus knowing that all things were completed, this detail sort of tells us that more is happening here than just simple thirst or extreme thirst, right? Also, 
I think that it's interesting that that John uh, adds in it's in parentheses in my text. It might be in parentheses in your Bible in in your translation, but he adds this idea of in order to fulfill Scripture. He's like Jesus, knowing that all things have been fulfilled, said, "In order to fulfill Scripture, I thirst." Right? But what Scripture is he talking about? Or what Scriptures? is John talking about here? Uh, well, many believe that he that Jesus was fulfilling Psalm 22 or Psalm 69, or perhaps both of those Psalms, you can add a number of Psalms into this deal. But I would encourage you to go back and read both chapters, uh, uh, Psalm 22 and Psalm 69, read both entire chapters and, and see the similarities that David, who wrote those two Psalms, that David is experiencing that, that are almost a direct correlation to what Christ, the greater David, the final David, is doing on the cross. Let me give you a couple of things, a couple of uh, verses where people believe that this is what Jesus was fulfilling. Psalm 22, verses 11 through 15, David wrote this hundreds of years before Jesus was crucified. He said this, do not remain far away from me for trouble is near and I have no one to help me. Does this not sound like Jesus on the cross? He goes on to say, many bulls surround me, powerful bulls of Bashan hem me in. They open their mouths to devour me like a roaring lion that rips its prey. My strength drains away like water. All my bones are dislocated. He said, my heart is like wax. It melts away inside of me. The roof of my mouth is as dry as a piece of pottery and my tongue sticks to my gums. You set me in the dust of death. David talking about this calamity that is surrounding him and in really prophetically, again, whether he knew or not, prophetically speaking forward to Jesus, who's experiencing this very same thing as his flesh has been torn from him. There's no one to help him. They're mocking him. He's hanging on the cross. He's being set in the dust of death and, and, um, and here he is. Uh, one version says this, that my tongue sticks to the root, roof of my mouth. These are all symptoms of extreme dehydration and thirst. And David is writing about that poetically in Psalm, but also prophetically declaring what it would look like when Jesus was on the cross. Others think that Jesus was fulfilling Psalm 69 verses 19 and 21. David again writing this beautiful poetry um, probably not recognizing that he is prophetically speaking to Christ. He said this, you know how I am insulted, humiliated, and disgraced. You can see all my enemies. What an image of what was happening at the cross. Their insults are painful and make me lose heart. I look for sympathy, but receive none. For comforters, but find none. Remember last week, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Everyone seems to have forsaken Jesus. Here, here he's, you know, the, David is writing this psalm as almost as if he's writing for Jesus. Then he says, they put bitter poison into my food and to quench my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. So it sounds like perhaps these were texts, scriptures that were prophetically declaring what Jesus was going to go through. And Jesus is now going through these things on the cross and fulfilling these scriptures as he declares, I thirst. Now, this statement, I thirst, keep 
all week as and last couple of weeks as I've been preparing um, for these sermons, this seven set of sermons here, this particular one, I thirst. It's been drawing me back to the Beatitudes, drawing me back to the Beatitudes, and in particular, drawing me back to the fourth Beatitude. Now, the fourth Beatitude is Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, is where you can read it. The Beatitudes is how Jesus opens up the Sermon on the Mount, which is sort of the uh, constitution of the kingdom of God, if you will. This is Jesus' like outlining, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And the Beatitudes is this list of these are the ones that God draws near to. They all start off with blessed is the one or blessed are those who. And that word blessed could be inter interpreted as God draws near to those or God is near to those who. So this I thirst statement of Jesus reminded me and kept bringing me back to Psalm or excuse me to Matthew chapter five, verse six, where Jesus declared blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied or for they shall be filled, some versions say. I kept thinking about this. God draws near to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. God draws near to those who thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. They will be filled. This word thirst, blessed, God draws near to those who thirst. This word thirst here is, is kind of defined as figuratively those who are said to thirst for, uh, excuse me, those who are said to thirst, who painfully feel their want of and eagerly long for those things by which the soul is refreshed, supported, or strengthened. Right? Those who are said to thirst, who painfully feel their want of and eagerly long for those things by which the soul is refreshed, supported, strengthened. Blessed are those who thirst for what? Who thirst, who long for, who are strengthened by, who are refreshed by righteousness. And what is righteousness? The word righteousness simply means right standing with God or in a right relationship with God, an unhindered relationship with Jesus. And so it made me think about this statement Jesus made on the cross, I thirst, physically for sure. But what about the greater understanding perhaps of this idea of I thirst? What if Jesus was was physically going through and, and demonstrating to us what it looks like to hunger and thirst for righteousness. What do I mean by that? That Jesus was so deeply longing for, so deeply um, looking for, thirsting for, wanting of a right relationship with humanity, that this is what he was saying when he said, I thirst. I am so thirsty for righteousness that I am willing to embrace this cross. What if it was Jesus' thirst for the righteousness of humanity that brought him to this moment on the cross? And this statement that Jesus makes, this I thirst statement, is actually a revelation of his longing, of his desire for us. 
What if, what if one of the ways we can interpret this idea of Jesus saying, I thirst, is that he's saying, I so deeply desire, I so de- deeply long for an unhindered relationship, a right standing relationship with all of humanity, that I, as God himself, incarnate in the flesh, am willing to embrace the cross, willing to embrace this moment of forsakenness, willing to embrace this, uh, this uh, trap. Tragic, tragic calamity known as the crucifixion so that I can make a way to be satisfied that through the cross, all men can be reconciled back to God. Blessed are those hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. And the scriptures tell us that Jesus because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Meaning that Jesus could see that through the cross or beyond the cross, there was a joy, there was a satisfaction, there was a feeling that would take place beyond the cross. And perhaps this I thirst statement is a revelation of why Jesus was willing to embrace that cross because he's so thirsty, so longing and wanting for the righteousness of humanity that he was willing to embrace the ugliness of the cross, the brutalness of the cross so that people like you and me can find a way to Jesus. Got me thinking about uh, a person we're probably all semi-familiar with in one way or another, and that is uh, Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa is known as someone who would give a cup of water to the thirsty, that she spent her entire life among those who were broken, the outcast, the marginalized, the, the diseased and the sick, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the lowest of the earth, if you will, of all of humanity. And she gave her life to that. And Last year, about this time when we were in Albania, we were on our way back from Albania and just uh, we stayed in a hotel just uh, just across the street from the Albanian airport in Tirana there. And there's a, a, a roundabout, a rotunda in the roundabout had a statue of Mother Teresa. I have a picture of it in my Instagram. And when I took a picture of Mother Teresa, but Mother Teresa's sort of known um, as this this woman who was willing to give her life like Jesus did to help um, satisfy the thirst of those who were in need. And I found this um, letter that, uh, that Mother Teresa wrote. It was titled, I Thirst for You. And I want to read that for you today. You know, she's known as St. Teresa of Calcutta. I will read this letter to you. It's a little bit longer. It's not something that I normally would do. But as I read, I've read it a few times now. It just really ministered to my heart. Here's Mother Teresa reflecting upon Jesus on the cross, the thirst of Jesus on the cross. And she's drawing this beautiful imagery back to us. And I couldn't do it any better than Mother Teresa did. So I figured I would just read it to you, what I would love for you to do is just take a moment. You might even want to close your eyes and reflect upon this this letter, this uh, this beautiful writing of Mother Teresa called I Thirst For You. Here's what it says. I thirst for you. It is true. I stand at the door of your heart day and night. Even when you're not listening, even when you doubt it could be me, I am there waiting for even the smallest signal of your response, even the smallest suggestion of an invitation that will permit me to enter. 
I want you to know that each time you invite me, I do come always, without fail, silent and, invis and invisible I come, yet with the power and a love most infinite, bringing the many gifts of my spirit. I come with my mercy, with my desire to forgive and heal you, with the love for you that goes beyond your comprehension. She says, a love in each detail, so grand like the love I have received from my father. She says, I have loved all of you as the father has loved me. That's John 15, 10. I come longing to console you and give you strength to lift you up and bind all your wounds. I bring you my light to dispel your darkness and all of your doubts. I come with my power that allows me to carry you with my grace to touch your heart and to transform your life. I come with my peace to calm your soul. I know you like the palm of my hand. I know everything about you. Even the hairs of your head I have counted. Nothing in your life is unimportant to me. I have followed you through the years and I've always loved you even when you have strayed. I know every one of your problems. I know your needs and your worries. And yes, I know all your sins. But I tell you again that I love you, not for what you have or cease to do. I love you for you, for the beauty and the dignity my father gave you by creating you in his own image. It is a dignity you have often forgotten, a beauty you have tarnished by sin. But I love you as you are, and I have shed my blood to rescue you. If you only ask me with faith, my grace will touch all that needs changing in your life. I will give you the strength to free yourself from sin and from all its destructive power. I know what is in your heart. I know your loneliness and all your wounds, the rejections, the judgments, the humiliations. I carried it all before you. And I carried it all for you so you could share my strength and my victory. I know, above all, your need for love, how much you are thirsting for love and tenderness, yet how many times you have desired to satisfy your thirst in vain, seeking that love with selfishness, trying to fill the void within you with passing pleasures, with the even greater emptiness of sin. Do you thirst for love? Come to me, all you who thirst. I will satisfy you and fill you. Do you thirst to be loved? I love you more than you can imagine to the point of dying on a cross for you. I thirst for you. Yes, that is the only way to even begin to describe my love for you. I thirst for you. I thirst to love you and to be loved by you. So precious are you to me that I thirst for you. Come to me and I will fill your heart and heal your wounds. I will make you a new creation and give you peace even in your trials. I thirst for you. You must never doubt my mercy, my desire to forgive, my longing to bless you and live my life in you and that I accept you no matter what you have done. I thirst for you. If you feel of little value before the eyes of the world, it doesn't matter. There is no one that interests me in the whole world than you. I thirst for you. Open up to me. Come to me. Thirst for me. Give me your life. I will prove to you how important you are for my heart.
Don't you realize that my Father already has a perfect plan to transform your life beginning from this moment? Trust in me. Ask me every day to enter and take charge of your life, and I will. I promise you before my Father in heaven that I will work miracles in your life. Why would I do this? Because I thirst for you. All I ask of you is that you entrust yourself to me completely. I will do all the rest from this moment. Now I behold the place my Father has prepared for you in my kingdom. Remember that you are a pilgrim in this life, traveling back home. Sin can never satisfy you or bring the peace you seek. All that you have sought outside of me has only left you more empty. So do not tie yourself to the things of this world. Above all, do not run from me when you fall. Come to me without delay, because when you give me your sins, you give me the joy of being your Savior. There's nothing I cannot forgive and heal. So come now and unburden your soul. No matter how far you strayed without a destination, no matter how often you've forgotten me, no matter how many crosses you bear in this life, I want you to always remember one thing that will never change. I thirst for you, just you as you are. You don't need to change to believe in my love for it will be your confidence in that love that will make you change. You forget me, and yet I am seeking you every moment of the day, standing before the doors of your heart and calling. Do you find this difficult to believe? If so, look at the cross. Look at my heart that was pierced for you. Have you not understood my cross? Then listen again to the words I spoke there, for they tell you clearly why I endured all this for you. I thirst. Yes, I thirst for you. As the rest of the psalm, I was praying, says of me, I waited uselessly for compassion. I waited for someone to console me, and I did not find it. All your life, I have been desiring your love. I've never ceased searching for your love and longing to be loved by you in return. You have tried many things in your goal to be happy. Why not try opening up for me your heart right now more than you ever have before? When you finally open the doors of your heart and you finally come close enough, you will then hear me say again and again, not in, human, not in mere human words, but in spirit, no matter what you have done, I love you for your own sake. Come to me with your misery and your sins, with your problems and needs, and with all your desires to be loved. I stand at the door of your heart and call, open to me, for I thirst for you. What a beautiful statement. Let's pray. Lord, may we grasp, wrestle with this concept of you being thirsty on the cross, not just physically thirsty for a drink, but spiritually longing for reconciliation, calling all of humanity unto righteousness through yourself, sacrificial love. May we be a people who lean into this thirst that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, let me pray this blessing over you today. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless you.
We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. It's our desire to lead people to know Christ and to make Him known. If you'd like to support the ministry of Hope Assembly, go to hopeassembly.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless.